Mike, Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne back. Now, did you happen to catch uh, Matthew Barzell grabbing uh, Marner? Mitch Marner yeah. on the bench? Yeah, I did. What'd you think? Ah, stupid. Isn't it stupid? Like, you can't do that. Well, uh, just earlier today, the NHL player safety announced that uh, Matthew Barzell has been fined $2,500. Did they phrase it for, for being stupid? Unsportsmanlike conduct during last night's game against Toronto. Okay. You know, sure. Well, that's just. You can't do that. Message sending. Yeah. To everybody. You cannot get involved in the play yeah. if you are on the bench. It's like when a player spritzes a guy who's skating by and they're like, yeah, it's five grand for being dumb. <laughs> you know? And clearly by Mitch Marner's non-response, yeah. i.e. a punch to the head, mm-hmm. they're buddies, right? Yeah, they're, they're just playing around. Just playing around. Just a couple of, like, lion pops. For rolling sure. around in, yes. the, in the field yeah, out there. Like, That's great. Like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you. Yeah. I'm gonna stop you. <laughs> yeah. And the NHL is just like, stop it. Thank you, stop it. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm glad the league find it and just run along. Not to Yeah, I, I don't even think like they didn't even describe it, I think. Yeah. Didn't didn't come up in much of the you know, we I was covering the game last night. I didn't, yeah. I didn't catch it during the game. So yeah. Not a huge deal there. All right, we're waiting on uh, Sheldon Keefe. Get into his game plan the last six games of the regular season. Yeah. And where that fine line is between health and creating enough momentum where you feel real good. Okay, the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sheldon Keefe. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know there's a a lot to think about, uh, particularly in these uh, half dozen games uh, has has minds been met in terms of your decision on how this thing plays out for, say, like a, a guy like Jack Campbell as early as tomorrow night? Well, yeah, we've uh, obviously in relation to tomorrow night, we've, you know, we we, uh, we have a plan there. But, you know, in terms of how we move forward from there, I think uh, you know, we'll take it a day at a time, making sure each day that Jack is feeling good, both uh, in body and mind. Uh, and at this point, he, he he definitely is coming off the last night's game. You know, so we'll uh, you know, we'll take it a day at a time from here. But certainly, you know, we're constantly you know balancing uh, the fact that we want him to be to be feeling good and confident in the net, but also making sure we're giving him appropriate rest and and not putting him uh, you know uh, in a situation where he's he's having to work too much at this point. Sheldon, how much are you guys uh, considering Austin Matthews' goal chase for 60 now? It seems like it's always a new milestone versus it seems like you've, you're, you're making a pretty clear statement that, you know, team first and playoffs first are the most important things. Have you been considering that when you made the decision to sit him out last night or, or will you in the games ahead? Well, I think, you know, when you're making these kind of decisions with individual players such as Austin who – you know, obviously, as you state here, seems to be setting new milestone and thus new goals uh, seemingly by the week uh, in terms of how things have gone for him. You know, you, have, you keep all that in mind. But I think as a team, collectively, individually, we, we know what the big picture is here and what we're, what we're striving towards. Um, you know, so we'll be mindful of that as it relates to last night. I mean, really wasn't a whole lot of decision to be made, uh, I think, uh, you know, Austin and ourselves, of course, acknowledge this is certainly not the time of year 
or the situation for a player like Austin for, or really any player for that matter to be playing, you know, at less than a hundred percent. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll balance all of that the rest of the way here for not just Austin, but any, any other guys. And if if you want to look at the, the glass half full Sheldon, it does give you uh, a comfort or uh, at least a feel that you can now look at other things uh, like moving players up in the lineup or giving them responsibilities that you may need to go back to uh, in, in the playoffs. Uh, does, th- does that help even going uh, in a competitive environment with Florida and Tampa Bay? Like you can look at smaller pictures here than obviously the, the big one of needing to win a hockey game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's when we looked at last night, you know, and yeah, I mean, obviously we, we want Austin to be feeling great and, and rolling and all of that, but the, you know, when you t- remove him from the lineup, I certainly did look at it as, a, as an opportunity for us to look at different things, some that we have tried periodically and some that I've had in mind for the last little bit that uh, because we've been playing well as a team, I, I haven't quite done and uh, yesterday, as you saw with the lineup and the lines that we rolled with, it gave me a chance to try some different things and give some guys some different looks and different minutes and things like that. I think that that's, that can't help but serve our team well uh, down the stretch here. You know, in this last couple of weeks, we're going to continue to look at things like that uh, while also ensuring that we're giving guys proper reps to be feeling good and confident about themselves, not unlike what we're talking about with Jack. Campbell, you know, uh, and you want to make sure you've got some consistency in terms of what you might look like, but, you know, we, we need to be flexible. We need to be able to adjust based on what's happening, you know, within a series and who our opponent is and home and road and all these kind of things. You know, you, you got to look at the uh, possibility that you might want to change some things up. So we've been doing plenty of that and the players have responded well. One thing that I think a lot of fans uh, see when they're looking at all the shuffling and trying to figure out D pairs that work for you guys and find, you obviously found a number of effective ones. Brody and Hall have been very good together. Is We haven't seen Brody and Giordano get uh, much run together yet. Is that something you guys intend to do in playoffs or is it one of those things that you just kind of know you have in your back pocket if you need? Well, it's something morning we've talked about. I mean, ever since acquiring Gio, you know, when I talked to him that it's something I'd mentioned that we would we would look to go to. Um, now, as it's turned out, you know, we obviously Jake Muzzin uh, hasn't hasn't been playing very much with our group, and then as a result, uh, Brody's been playing the left side, um, say for when it was Muzz played two or three games, and uh, you know when we when when Brody did go back to the right side, we wanted to get a look at at some different things like Muzzin Brody see what that looked like mm-hmm. um and because we, we liked how geo uh you know played with you know whether it was Lilligren or then we wanted to try it with hall um we wanted to try some different things there yeah so depending on how our d shakes out i mean if obviously cj brody's going to be on the left side there's not going to be a whole lot of opportunity for their for jordano and brody to play together and so most of the games that's been the case uh, and I, I don't have a lot of interest at this point, at least to have two righties playing together. Uh, I don't think that serves us well. I don't think we have a right-hander that's overly comfortable on the left side. So that's just kind of the way things have shaken out. But we do remain confident that those guys, two veteran players, great experience together. You know, if needed, uh, we can put together at any point in time. We may see it down the, you know, down the last six games here. But even if we just had to 
put it together without any real refresher on it, I'm confident those guys can adjust just fine. Joining us is Sheldon Keefe, uh, head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Sheldon, when it comes to uh, the different feel this time of year, uh, we're usually in the first round of the playoffs here, and of course COVID pushed us back and uh, a tremendous amount of games now uh, in the last weeks. You guys are experiencing that. How is the challenge for you to keep the energy up or, or the focus so close here? Because it's not just you guys, but there is a bit of a lull going on with some other teams trying to capture their energy or, or, or just the feel of let's get this over with. And to your point, healthy and, and feeling good, but it, it's a huge challenge. And even for you as a coaching staff, do you feel the extra two weeks that have been tax, taxed on? Well, you know what, I I think we certainly do. I don't know if that's any different than any other season. You know, regardless of what the schedule is or whatever the situation is, it seems like it, the last couple of weeks always sort of drag on. Uh, and you're, especially this season, I guess you could say, with how for the most part the teams in the Eastern Conference have been pretty much determined for quite some time. There's been some jockeying for position as there continues to be. You know, but, uh, you know, when you're a team that's having the type of season like we are and, 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 and you, you feel like you're certainly going to play in the playoffs, you're definitely looking ahead and you're building towards that. And then you, you get to a point that you certainly want to just let's, you know, get on with it. But, you know, the uh, schedule is 82 games and there is still something to play for here. And we're in a position now where we've uh, we put ourselves in a good place and we want to uh, hang on to that. We certainly like to, would like to have been, you know, getting forward a better run uh, for the for first in the division, but it's been really difficult to make up any sort of ground on them with the type of season that they've had. Uh, you know, now we're in a position where we do have home ice in the second round, and we've got six games left to you know to to maintain that. So that is something for us to, to continue to build towards and work towards. And we've got a very difficult schedule coming up this week, both in terms of competition and the volume of games and travel and such. So. There's a lot of things for us to make sure we stay switched on for here. Sheldon, we, we saw you guys uh, go for a good run of the season with Nylander and Tavares as a duo. Um, you know, dried up at one point. You guys went away from it. Both guys have had some success separated. But when, and obviously you brought them back together recently, when when you guys are sitting there drawing up your perfect lines for the postseason, do you envision those guys as a duo on the same line? Well, I, I certainly see uh, scenarios where that is the case uh, definitely uh, I think you know what we've what we've gone with here in the last little bit is uh, obviously we've had them se- separated but at different times in the games I'm moving Will around and we did change the lines on Saturday night in Ottawa and put the John and Will back together and and as a result we also you know, we have Mikheyev and Camp and Engvall together because I just thought we could change something at that point in time that might help us in the game, and I, and I like that effect uh, that it had on the game. Uh, so I see I see uh, potential for both things to happen, and I think, like I said uh, earlier, I think we've tried enough different things here, and we've seen things that work. We've also seen, seen things that we don't like, and I think there's great value in that. I mean, it's better that we know some things that maybe we don't like or don't work now versus, you know, trying it when it's, when it counts the most and there's no, no margin for error. Um, you know, so depending on, you know, home away, what's happening in the games, you know, how the other team's lines and lineup might look like, 
we can we can do various things with our group, and the players have shown the ability and the willingness to adapt and adjust and just keep playing, and, and I found chemistry with different guys. So, you know, that, that makes me excited as a coach in terms of having options. We just got to make sure we maintain our health. Not only the, the health of the players, but uh, the, the health of your specialty teams too and feeling good going into the playoffs. The power play prior to Nylander's uh, goal last night, 0 for 17, not a, not a ton of practice uh, in between games here. Uh, what do you look for in terms of maybe making sure that uh, that's feeling good going into the playoffs with the, the remaining six games? Yeah, I think it's just a matter, uh, Nick, of just getting connected with what makes our power play good, what's made us number one in the league for most of the season. Uh, both the both in the structure and the work habits and, and the execution, you know, all those kind of things. We just we just make sure we're connected to that and also make sure we don't overreact to you know, you mentioned over seventeen and within that there's there's some power plays late in games where we don't even put out the proper units. There's power plays that are broken up because it goes to four on four and uh all those kind of things. And then outside of the over seventeen there's a an eight game stretch right out right there uh, where we were, we were running at 42%. So, you know, that was right around the corner from, from uh, four games of over 17. So we're not too carried away with the negative results. We're staying, we're staying in on the process. Our players really good, scored a huge goal. That's ultimately the game winner. Five on three had some extremely dangerous looks and, and uh, another day probably goes in for us. So that's really it. Just keep building, you know, positivity and, and relying on the stru- our structure trusting our players and their instincts uh, to execute. Sheldon, I know you've got to run. I'm just going to sneak in one quick uh, last question on you here, just uh, about your fourth line. You have different options for how it can look. You know, Simmons, Clifford, it can be physical. You can have Blackwell, and you guys can be faster. What is your perfect fourth line, and not in terms of personnel, but what are you looking to get out of your fourth line? Well, what I'm looking for is, is guys to give us positive shifts and positive energy. Um, and... I think we've seen a real uptick with the player out of our fourth line uh, as we've as we've kept it fluid and we've kept it moving. And the players don't love it. Players want to, as you guys know, they want to play every day. They want to stay in the lineup. But as the coach, I can't help but see positive results. And when as we've moved things around here, and even sometimes when they've come off really good games, I've changed it up the very next day. Uh, I see the attention to detail, the, you know, the willingness to just really serve the team when they're out there, uh, the energy, the physicality. There's been a real uptick uh, since that has been the case. I really like how the guys have responded. So no matter who it is or what it looks like, we need, we need that, that line to give us positive shifts and, and generate momentum for the team or certainly not provide negative momentum uh, and, and, and you know, having the, the opponent's get a leg up on us. So uh, we really like what we see from them last night. Again, um, they're starting to build, you know, even though some nights the minutes don't reflect it, uh, I come away feeling a lot better about the line. And sometimes it's more a reflection of the fact that the opponent isn't playing their fourth line very often and their minutes would suffer as a result. But, uh, you know, as, as a coaching staff, we felt much better about the guys that are playing in those roles. Sheldon, really appreciate uh, your time on an off day. Go get some rest. Okay, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. Sheldon Keith, head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's, that's I, I sense that it is a grind for uh, a lot of people right now. Yeah. And you know, it's for me. Every time I got ready for the NHL playoffs, mm-hmm. it was right around the clocks 
changing mm-hmm. and you gain the extra hour of daylight and there was just a whole new sense of energy. Yeah, it's a new life, you went, right? It's... You went to the rink and the sun was still up yeah. and the weather was turning Must be the and it's just, I'm ready to go. Uh, just a whole new feel of that energy right now and mm-hmm. and it's been delayed for like two and a half weeks yeah you know they had the uh, olympic break built in and they needed to use it for covid so the season is later than usual and but yeah i'm sure it's a grind right now these last last days are tough particularly when you know who you're playing in the first round uh, uh, first round uh, tampa bay now 77 percent chance to be the leafs first round opponent um, more than three quarters here. So, so what are the Leafs the last ten games like? Eight one and one, yeah, and they've tear. made they've lost ground to <laughs> yeah, Florida. Eight one and one, and they've lost ground to Florida. They have. Legit. And Florida has won ten in a row. Yeah. And how many? St. Goals? Louis nine in a row. How many goals them? for uh, for Florida in those ten games? Fifty. What do we got? Fifty three. Fifty three. Fifty three. They've got four point two goals per game on the season. Five point three. Over the last 10 games, all they do is score. They score so much. Okay, now, because of this stretch and this tough one that Tampa Bay's been in, is it just a foregone conclusion then that for, for Leaf fans, they are happier than a pig and you know what, that they're not playing Florida? To, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, there's no reward. Getting Sammy, the is not good. Are you feeling better Tampa Bay over Florida because of this 10-game run the Panthers are on? I just don't think it's any matchup is great, boys. I, I, it's going to be a, gr- it's gonna be a grind mean, no matter what. You've got worse energy than Sheldon right now. But Sheldon's no, got a good got excuse. Good. Can I? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I do too. Um, I was just going to say that I, I think Florida – is just such a juggernaut right now that you can convince yourself Tampa is a better matchup. But Borny earlier in the in the hour was naming off the the names lightning that, players know, potentially the lightning players, and it's just and you got scared. They're forward. They're just gritty. Yeah, they can score. They can do whatever you want. The only hope that I have in that last game that the Leafs played them down in Tampa. I thought the Leafs made them look a little old and slow. Yeah. And I think, you know, once it gets to the playoffs, I think the, the game slows down a little bit. It gets bogged down a little bit more. But if there's something that gives me hope for the Leafs versus the Lightning is that the Leafs are just so fast these days, fellas. Yeah. They're flying around the rink. Yes. I think the bottom half of their lineup is faster than the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Vasilevsky's been a little faster bit... Faster than Maroon you know, like Perry Bellamar? I hope so. Yeah, no kidding, wow. Sam. No, you're right. No, I'm not. I'm no, saying no, you're right. It's, it's really uh, Mikheyev and Engvall that's taken that yeah. that that level to the next step. Yeah. No, I agree. So can I go through a list of things Sheldon said that interested me? Sure. Okay. Um, and we got I, Brian Lawton, by the way, coming up soon here yes, too, right? so I'll bang this out quick. So I asked him about keeping Willie and Tavares together, and he said that when he went back to that, he got to put Mikheyev, Kampf, and Engvall back together. He mentioned that line. I think he really likes that line. I think that's a line he wants to play. So that's something that stands out to me. Um, He said that I think I like that we have different looks uh, for that we can use home and away. So I think they're conscious of the idea that at home when they get matchups, I think they can go Willie and Tavares together. I think separating them on the road means that you get one of the guys free and against the other team's bottom six. Home and away, maybe we'll, we'll see a different look yeah. in their lineup. I agree with you. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think 
Camp's had a hell of a year, but he's slipped a little bit. He definitely has. He we've, We haven't mentioned and, him at all. And I think it's Mikheyev's uh, and Engvall's the type of guy that you want to make sure that Camp feels good and is rejuvenated yeah. for so game so one. I, I like I like keeping them all together. I think you see Willie and Tavares together in um, one. I'll, I'll, I got more on this later. We'll f- all right, we got Brian Lawton on the line, former player agent, general manager. Does it all. Now, of course, with the NHL man. network. Lots, what's going on, pal? Where do we where do we find you these days? I am at NHL Network, getting ready to do uh, a few hours of TV this evening. All right, I, I, maybe it's just me making too much of a deal, but my uh, my my clock's off. My internal clock radio is off right now because of these extra two weeks. I I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, knowing how cheap you are, Kipper, I know that every year of your career, you would know exactly how many days were in the regular season so you could figure out how to divide your salary by that and know what you're making per day. And yes, just two weeks longer, although to be fair, it was a little shorter when we played traditionally closer to 180 than the more standard 185, 186 we see now. But uh, those extra two weeks... It's made this feel like a really long season, hasn't it? Yes. I, I think it has, but but for, for Tampa Bay, yes. For Florida, no. I mean, they, they, they've got a stretch going on where uh, they're, as, they're, they're as good as they've ever been all season long. They are absolutely as good as they've ever been, and the question looms out there. Are they ready to take a huge step forward in the playoffs? We haven't seen that. They play a lot like the Washington Capitals about 10 years ago when they couldn't get over the hump. So I'm very curious to see how Florida does in the playoffs. I do love the season they've had. I do love the team they've put together. But at times, you have to wonder if all this scoring is going to continue. It certainly hasn't in the past till we get to the playoffs. So... How do you feel then in terms of potential first-round opponents about the Leafs drawing Tampa Bay, who have slipped a bit? Uh, you know, we've been talking forever. Do they want Florida? Do they want Boston? Do they want Tampa? Looks like it's going to be Tampa. What is your expectation from a, a Lightning team who hasn't been quite the force they've been in regular seasons past? No, they haven't. And, you know, human nature is probably working against them, and that's probably the most favorable part of this potential matchup if it is in fact Toronto against Tampa uh, in Toronto's favor. They should be full now. Toronto on the other hand should be real hungry to win a playoff round Uh, and yet ultimately the outcome of the series will be determined by the character of the players in both rooms. That's a lot of pressure on Toronto. They haven't got it done yet but they've had a great season this year Their team looks as good as it's looked as long as I can remember, to be honest with you. Just adding Giordano, some tweaks here or there has made a big difference for the Leafs. Jake Muzzin, kind of like a trade deadline acquisition, has really helped. Uh, And yet, you're staring across the ice at the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, back-to-back champions, I might add, and that's a really tough draw. But human nature should be on their side because the goaltending kipper won't be on their side. The decor won't be on their side. The offensive side of it may actually go 
to Toronto, but, um, you know, it's been a great year for the Leafs, breaking all kinds of records. I've been super impressed. I have to admit it. I just feel bad for them if they end up having to play the Lightning in the first round. We're talking to Brian Lawton, former general manager, current NHL uh, analyst on NHL Network. Lots. It's one thing to prepare for a team during a regular season, and then there's the prep work that goes into uh, a playoff series. So when would the Leafs now started putting a book together on, on Tampa Bay and uh, and just speak a little bit of of the work that would go into that? Well, what would have happened first, and it probably would have started at least a few weeks ago, is you kind of start to angle in on who you're going to potentially play and you start to deploy your pro scouts into those arenas you may actually hire or use somebody different than your regular pro scouts. And you start to put a bit of a game plan that they utilize most consistently and a game plan as how you could maybe counter that. starts off wider. But as you get closer, you start to really narrow in, and I'd imagine there'd be a lot of pre-scouting going on right now by the Toronto Maple Leafs of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and vice versa, for that matter. And how important do you think it is to get the other team dialed in correctly versus focusing on your own team? I feel like sometimes you can worry so much about what they're going to do and what you know. how do we stop them? You don't spend enough time on yourself. You know, Is there a balance to be struck there? There absolutely is. You don't want to be, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you idolize your opponent. You want to put yourself in a position where you respect them and you know what they do well. And you could maybe take away some of those things that are generally advantages for them. But there's a fine balance, as you say, Justin, you really want to make sure that you've got your house in order. And then you want to work that in with how are we going to play these guys most effectively It's not easy. Some coaches do it really well. Others tend to, in my opinion, they oversupply players with information and the team ends up performing worse. Uh, But that is the challenge right now for Sheldon Keefe and his coaching staff. Um, That'll be the challenge for John Cooper, quite frankly, but they are more battle-tested and battle-proven, obviously. So what do you make out of the Tampa Bay Lightning the last two and a half, three weeks here, lots? Because there's the, the narrative is that they're running out of gas. And I would think that uh, watching a few things happen, including uh, a tremendous uh, commitment by your management team to give up uh, the future, to take another run at a third Stanley cup, like to do something so special now that not only just puts you in a special place uh, in, in a salary cap era, but there really puts you in a special place historically over the last hundred years. Uh, that, that should be energy alone to ensure that an empty gas tank shouldn't play a part in this. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Kipper, I'm a little bit shocked at how little their moves have gotten them. If you think back to the last two years, I mean, that third line of Gord, Goodrow, and Blake Coleman was money. It had so much dimension to it that you could use it in a variety of different ways. It was really a weaponized third line. Now they bring in Nick Paul and Hagel, and it hasn't had the same type of effect. And when you analyze it, you say, my goodness, if the Lightning didn't have the third line they had for the last two cups, 
I'm not sure they win those cups in a number of series where they needed every ounce of them. I don't feel like these changes have netted in those types of returns. And to be honest with you, that would be another more favorable item in the Toronto Maple Leafs side of the ledger. The fact that they went out, they got two guys, and they haven't quite figured out how best to use them. They definitely have not been able to match what they had before in that department. Um, That would be concerning for me if I were John Cooper. And I I think in a lot of ways, Skipper, you're saying what's kind of happened to them is that manager came in, made a big statement, and it hasn't really gelled or meshed to their benefit at all. And maybe to the point where some of the players are looking and going, these guys are really good, but they're not exactly the same as what we had. The elements that Goodrow, as we've seen, uh, you know, has really been a part of a game-changing movement for the Rangers and even Blake Coleman in Calgary. Both these guys have gone on and found great success this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit puzzled by what's transpired there. I expected to see a lot more, and I haven't seen it from that third line. You mentioned that Flames team. They're atop a um, Pacific division that is still hotly contested. We, we've been looking at these bottom playoff spots in the Western Conference, what are your thoughts on, on the last spots available? Vegas, obviously, banging on the door, but still on the outside looking in. Yeah, Vegas is right there. Uh, a couple of, a few days ago, I might have said, yes, I think they're going to get in at a costly loss. Um, it looks a lot tighter than I would have thought. Somehow, maybe they'll find a way to either jump L.A., or Nashville, or even Dallas, but uh, I'm not as certain as I was a few days ago. I could tell you a few weeks ago, I thought, no chance, Vegas will get in. So I have to compliment them from getting themselves in a position to at least change that thought pattern. But uh, it's going to be 50-50. The really scary thing for me is if I were the Edmonton Oilers and I were sitting there watching the L.A. Kings kind of struggle down the stretch here, I'd be really concerned that uh, the Oilers would have played so well and their reward could be a Vegas team that's kind of peaking at the end of the year if that ever happens. So hopefully for the Oilers, that won't be the case. I don't think that's a good first-round matchup for them. When it comes to Vegas and their commitment to go forward since basically birth, um, like how big of a disappointment or um, you know emotional loss would be missing the playoffs for them like lots uh i think buffalo has their pick this year now granted i i believe it's lottery protected but it could still fall into 11th or 12th overall i mean buffalo it just keeps getting better and better for them this eichel trade yeah it It really does, Kipper. It's tough. I mean, outside of the New York Islanders, I'd say in the luck department this season in terms of injuries, I'd say that Vegas is probably right there in the next group of teams as as far as having really poor luck. Um, The expectations are so high there. It will be met with massive disappointment, uh, I would imagine, by Kelly McCrimmon and his staff, and yet you have to try to find some balance. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
They have been incredibly unlucky. A lot of people I find around the league are rooting against this group, maybe because <laughs> they've done things that nobody else has done. They've come in. It's been so easy. Um, it's looked so easy, but it hasn't been easy. They've been absolutely laser-focused on uh, trying to win a cup, trying to get there as fast as they can. They've thrown everything out the window as to what we might have expected from an expansion team. And there's no doubt for me that it has uh, ruffled a lot of feathers. I like Kelly McCrimmon personally. Uh, I like George McPhee. I think they've done an awesome job. I love what Bill Foley brings to the league. I think they've been a great story for the National Hockey League. But uh, it's just one of those teams you feel like there's just a little bit of jealousy out there about these guys. Seattle came in this year. Everybody was hoping they'd have the same type of effect. I think everybody got a dose of reality in terms of what Vegas actually did, how remarkable it was that these guys went to the Stanley Cup final in their first year, and then they completely abandoned, we're going to draft and develop to build our club, and have just been in go mode from the day they started all the way up to or through, you know, Mark Stone, getting Jack Eichel, signing Alex Petrangelo, I mean, uh, this team has been full go from the moment they were birthed, as you suggest, Kipper. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm just in such favor of the whole trying to win thing. You know, every, everyone does this, you know, oh, a long-term plan and we'll be good later. And I, I really admire what they did, but you're right. It, it has rankled some people. Yeah, you know, though, lots and I, I mean, I've had mixed feelings on what Justin just said, but where teams have to be careful are the ones that are caught in the middle where you're just not good enough, yeah. but you're not good enough to make serious progress through the draft either. Yeah, you're drafting 17th or something. It's like, ah. And there, there's a few clubs that are going to get caught there, aren't there, Brian? There are, uh, Kipper, and it, it feels like, you know, I mean, this has been such an unusual year. We've seen so many goals scored. We've seen more, it feels like more disparity to me than we've seen in the past from the good teams to the not so good teams. How that's handled is a delicate matter. Once you fall to a not a good team, it can take quite a while to get out of that fallen pit, I'll call it. I call it never, never land. It can take a while to get out of never, never land. Um, I could give you lots of examples of teams or managers around the league that have been through it in different situations that it, it used to go a lot more quickly. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah. And uh, that, that may be a change, but you know, we're still talking about Colorado. They had a historically bad year. seems like it wasn't that long ago. Look how good they are now, but that's not really true. I mean, Colorado has players on the roster that they drafted in 2011, like Gabe Landeskog. He was second. McKinnon was first in 2013. Rantanen was first. Was their first pick in 15, like ninth overall. McCarr was their fourth pick in 17. Yeah. Like it, you got to suck. A long time to build these things up. Yeah, you got to really yeah, suck. But, yeah, yeah, but sucking used to be more valuable before we changed the lottery rules, and then you know it got so valuable that we made it less valuable. And now we've changed again to maybe give some value to it. So it's been an interesting progression. Um, You know, I know a little bit of something about that. We were fortunate to draft Stamkos and Hedman, but that was under different conditions. And that 
was kind of the way the Penguins, the Blackhawks, even the L.A. Kings, to some degree, teams that won eight Stanley Cups over a 10-year period, were built. Uh, but you got to stay current when you're managing a club, and you got to recognize the past and, and be able to predict the future. I don't think that way is as solid in the future as it was maybe back then to keep becoming good again. Whatever happened to those picks that you made in Tampa, Stamkos and... Are you still around? Uh, if, still you get, around. <laughs> if you get good players, then, uh, and, and if they're really great people like Victor and Stammer are, obviously uh, it can go on for a very, very long time. Good Hopefully for, for Leaf fans, time. not too much longer. Yeah, they're lots. done. Wrap they're, it up. They're, 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 done. Up. they're done. Hey, listen, we're going to sneak <laughs> out of here, but uh, always appreciate your time, pal. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks lots. Brian Lawton. Um, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, uh, did you? No, I did. I think I did when I mentioned that, like you, when you're caught in the middle, you oh, said yeah, you yeah. appreciate clubs that kind of hang in go. there. But look at the ones that end up getting rewarded and two right off the top of my head that have really taken their hits for a very long time. And there's no guarantees as Edmonton has shown. Right. But I really like where Ottawa and Buffalo are. And if Vegas misses the playoffs mm-hmm. and Buffalo now gets, I believe they've got uh, a first round, they got their own first rounder. They got one for Reinhardt from Florida and they've got one from Vegas. I'll give you the answers here. Right? Yeah. So here's, here's what they have in the first round. First round, they got their own pick. They got Florida's pick. They got Vegas. So three first rounders this year. Three first rounders. Yeah. That will be spread uh, in the top 10, middle, and... Yeah. They'll get one in every 10. Uh, and then they have their second, their third, a so fourth, a fifth, a two sixth, and a seventh. In, in, in 40. Top yeah. 40 picks. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Okay. Four. And I'm, I'm, I'm going like, they've already looked like they've got great leadership in Tuck. Um, Levi's considered one of the top goalies outside of the NHL right now as a, as a potential guy. Yep. They got power just in. I like that. Cousins. That's, that's the biggest piece to me. I mean. Yeah, I problem. just, it's so hard to get good. It's, you know, like, it's tough to think of, like, unless the teams who tank and then get good tend to have a number one overall pick. Yeah. You know, it tends to be the Leafs who bottomed out in 15-16 or, you know, the Avalanche or, I don't know. They're on the right track. You're 100% right. All right. Of all these teams that have done it, Ottawa, yes. Detroit, New Jersey, Buffalo, L.A., it ain't working out for all of them. No, 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 no. Like we said, Edmonton, prime example. Yeah, and Buffalo's now in year 11 of nothing, this third <laughs> no, rebuild. Nothing guaranteed. Nothing guaranteed. But right. it is the recipe. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's the only rest to be back to a cup. Now, the only thing left to decide today is whether or not I can start chewing this thing. (laughs) And the answer is no. No, you're out. If it was a one-hour show, I would chew it again. The second hour probably pushed it across the I'm just nervous I'm not going to get that same bubble gum flavor. Is it double bubble? It is double bubble. Yeah, the the dressing room gum that doesn't last for long. Yeah, no, this is uh, like Major League Baseball tin. That only had twenty gum. chews in it to begin with, and you already used at least a dozen. Sammy, how do we do? All right, you good? You, you guys are great. What a great show by you guys. <laughs> all right, all right. Our thanks to Dan. Sounded great on the moon. And Jennifer and all of you for joining us. We're back tomorrow.